You're listening to the Mission Critical Podcast. Nonprofit marketing advice for the expert and novice alike, where you'll get an insider view into marketing strategy, key marketing concepts, emerging trends, and more. And now, your hosts with marketing advice so practical it dresses in layers, Billy Draper and John Path. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Mission Critical Podcast. You are catching a really good show because today, while everyone is looking forward to 2021, we are going to be looking backwards at 2020 and holding a little bit of a spotlight to some of the predictions that were made at the beginning of last year to see, did they in fact come true? And uh, spoiler alert, not all of them did. It turns out not all of the trends were predicting a global pandemic. But <laughs> sure enough, that's what we found ourselves with. Uh, but before we get right into it, as always, your hosts, Billy Draper and John Patton here to talk to you about nonprofit marketing advice for the expert and novice alike, and also to share stories of impact. Uh, Billy, we are about to talk about some really interesting trends here. But uh, most importantly, I've noticed a trend. And that is that we tend to be drinking whiskey at the beginning of these podcasts. Uh, what do you what do you got in your cup tonight? Well, I, you know, being the holiday season here, um, fresh off the holiday, uh, the Christmas here, a uh, neighbor of mine brought some uh, Berthed Brewing backcountry out of their personal barrel. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's good. And hopefully um, we have a good relationship, but they didn't spit in it. That's the only thing I'm concerned about. Uh, but, it, lowers the, it lowers the proof if they do that, I've been told. It does. And that's the reason why I'm concerned about yeah, it. That's right. You know, less mileage. Uh, that is, that's awesome. Well, I'm, uh, I'm coming off of a, uh, a four hour drive in white out conditions. Um, and so I probably should be drinking something, but I'm, but I'm not tonight. So, uh, uh, normally, I would say that I would probably have something. Mm, tonight feels like a special reserve, a Weller special reserve night. Oh yeah! But I will say, I did get the chance to drink uh, Weller single barrel last night, their newest release, and it was tremendous. I highly recommend it to anyone who gets their hands on the single barrel from Weller. And what was the proof on that? I don't recall. I want to say it was like one fifteen. Or something like there, that. That's probably why you don't recall. Yeah. That's exactly why I don't recall. <laughs> Those two things might, in fact, be related. Yes. Uh, but it was awesome. You know, spoiler alert to all you listeners out there. I highly recommend going to some sort of uh, theme park-ish type location uh, and then finding the nicest bar on site because chances are good. The parents don't get a breakaway and try the drinks. And they have a pretty good library available to you. Just so you know. Anyhow. Um, Billy, we are going to group yeah. things into some buckets tonight, and I think these are really uh, helpful for people to kind of understand what happened in 2020 or what, what people thought would happen in 2020. Uh, first big bucket is experience or experiences. What are, you, uh, what are you talking about when you're talking about experiences? Well, I, I, I think this is, this is, gosh, we're all consumers, right? We're all, we all, every day is an experience. Uh, 2020 has <laughs> been full of them. Uh, it, it, it's, it's, think about it, right? Your daily, we, we go about our days and we're just looking for the easiest thing, right? We know we have so many things on our plates, um, especially this year. Some of us were teaching 
our mm-hmm. kids while we're also working and we're also like trying to, you know, all the different things. So experience just in general is when I engage with you as an individual, whatever it is that you provide back to me or whatever I'm trying to do with you, that's an experience, right? Whether I'm looking at your webpage or I'm trying to make a donation. Um, and you know, the best there's brands out there do it really well. And everyone kind of ex- ex- wants it to be that same way. Mm-hmm. Um, no surprise when people thought about the biggest trends of 2020, right? The predictions experience being a big and the big bucket category. No surprise there. Are you surprised by that at all? Uh, no, it turns out I am not even a little surprised by that. Uh, as people start to expect more and more from consumer brands, um, the patience that they've had for nonprofit experiences tends to wane. Uh, they don't need it to be as cutting edge as you know Netflix or Uber or Amazon or something like that, but they also need it to not suck. Uh, and it turns out that that is a gap for some of the nonprofits out there. Sometimes the experience just really stinks. And so in those applications, uh, I'm not surprised to see experience as a uh, high-level, big-bucket trend. Well, hey, while we're talking about this, uh, another thought just kind of crossed my mind. Do you think experience now um, is even more critical to invest in as a nonprofit, right? Having a really good experience. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I ask you that is because of the change in demographics, right? right. Long-term relationships, you kind of get to know the uh, good and eat bad of someone. You're like, ah, I can forgive them for not being good at that. But <laughs> new, younger um, constituents that come on board, gosh, imagine like the first time they engage with you, if they have to go and uh, through some of the old process, right? That That is not probably, doesn't bode well for an organization. It's a, it's a really fair point. And especially now when you think about the experiences you can't have with people, right? Um, so you already have the reason your nonprofit still exists is because you've already found those really generous people who are already believing in your mission and already believe in what you're doing. And uh, as we all know, they're dying out. Um, that also might have accelerated this year, unfortunately. Uh, and so, as a reality to that, you're starting to think about how do we backfill? And if you don't have a compelling way to tell your story. And if you don't have a compelling way to hook people and bring them in so you can share your story, if you don't have that experience front end, you are in serious trouble. You are in, uh, you might be looking to go the way of the dinosaur here. So I highly recommend that we continue to think about uh, experience. And I think that's a good prediction for 2020. And like, who knew it would be so true? And who knew it would need to be uh, <laughs> rapidly accelerated so quickly? Yeah, I don't see that going away in 2021 or even beyond, right? I think you're going to see more of that. Um, so big bucket experience 2020. Do we think they nailed it? Do we think that they, that everyone that predicted that nailed it? I'd I say would, yes. I'd have to say yes. I think that's okay. pretty hard to argue with. <laughs> yeah, well, four out of five, five, five stars on that, whoever predicted. I think four, I think everyone predicted that. So good, good job. Yeah. Um, way to make your free throws. Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. um, all right. The, de- the next one we want to think about is disruption and proliferation. Now, uh, we like to play buzzword bingo, and those would absolutely, along with synergy, be on the bingo card. Uh, oh, but, oh. <laughs> synergy might be the freaking center square. Uh, but uh, when we think about disruption and proliferation, what are we talking about there? Jim J. Bullock. No. Um, 
Uh, center square. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, I had to. I, I mean, just think about it. Uh, proliferation. When you wake up in the morning, how many? Who who's trying to get your attention in the morning? Just I mean, everyone, just sit there and think about that for a second. Y- your attention has been proliferated because you have how many options for news do you have in the morning? Five, six, seven, eight, nine at the, at the push of a button, right? Mm-hmm. You have all the apps. You can go to a .com. You can get a pop up if you're looking. It, it, proliferation is just choice, right? We know there's more choices than ever to do whatever it is that you want to do to get information, like you want to get, and and that is extremely disruptive because people are being pretty creative, right? Proliferation is a byproduct of creativity. Um, and therefore disruption, right? And th- we've heard those words for a long time <laughs> that, right. Th- th- these things have been happening for a long time, but I think this year, um, there's been a lot of disruption, a lot of proliferation, um, some first party, some second party, and that's all competitive, right? That makes for, for a very competitive day to day for, for many organizations. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about it, you know, you mentioned attention, and I think this is one of those concepts that, you know, I just keep hearing coming up over and over again. And uh, you and I have even spoken about it a little bit, but uh, this concept of the attention economy, right? Yep. And how do you be top of mind at the right moment? And how do you keep the attention of your constituent? Mm-hmm. And there's some really creative ways to do that, that we're starting to see emerge. We're starting to see, obviously, video um, is a must. It's not a nice to have. It's a must have. Um, we are really starting to see uh, social advertising and coordinated campaigns coming out of nonprofits, usually by agencies. But you know, in the future, they really don't have to be. You can do this yourself for a lot less money, it turns out. And then the other one that I think is really interesting is this idea of podcasting. We're starting to see nonprofits wanting to take off with their own podcasts. And that's a really interesting one because, you know, Billy, are, you're a big podcast listener. When do you listen to your podcasts? I, I, it's, it's when I have some time to engage. When I really want to be entertained, when I really want to learn about something, that's when I listen to podcasts normally in the morning before my kids are, before my kids, before my, it feels like kids sometimes I have a puppy, um, <laughs> but before my son's awake and, and the dogs are up, like that's my time to sit back and, and get educated or get inspired really, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's important because you, do, do you find yourself doing this when you're listening to podcasts, uh, John, when you, when you listen, you, you feel like you're connecting with somebody or something you don't know, but you feel connected with it. Yes, absolutely. I, yeah. I think that's the big thing, right? That's the big trend. People are hearing voices. They're hearing stories. You're able to connect. And I mean, that's a, I, I feel like that one should probably, uh, only increase that trend should probably have more investment this year. Absolutely. And if you think about it, Imagine, if you will, that you know we've all heard of the elevator pitch. Most of the time, you are having to give the elevator pitch for your nonprofit, right? You have 15 seconds to grab someone's attention. You don't. You have like three, maybe two, to actually grab someone's attention. But let's pretend you have 15 for generosity's sake. So you have 15 seconds to grab someone's attention, and now you need to get them to lean in and want to hear the whole story of the impact your organization makes. That's tough. That's a tough one. But what if you had the podcast? And what if you could actually set up the story, set up the why, 
set up the how, and then cue up your listeners for how they could be involved. You could totally articulate uh, the the beginning, middle, and end of that story and have your listener as the potential hero of that story. Uh, so you're really changing how you're able to speak to your constituents. And I think podcasts are going to continue to be huge. And the other thing, to your point, Billy, is people tend to listen to them when they have mind space for them, yeah. right? When you listen to music, maybe when you're, you don't have mind space to really yeah. focus, right? But when you have mind space to focus, you probably go podcast. I mean, that you know, the, the, the cool thing about podcast, um, I'm trying to think of the one, it was S-Town. I don't know if you listen. Yes, to of course okay. I have. Yes. So true story. I grew up in Woodstock, Alabama for a few years of my life. Um, that's nothing to brag about. But anyway, um, but, the, but the funny thing about that was, what, how did you hear about it? How did you hear about it? It was shared with me. Someone said, you, know, you got to exactly. listen to this. Yeah, exactly. That that's the that's the interesting thing about podcasts and good storytelling and good content. Um, you know, out, so proliferations out there, but man, you know what cuts through that? Something interesting. Something that is interesting and meaningful will cut through all the noise and all the proliferation. And you find yourself listening to a podcast about some crazy person in backwoods Alabama and like not being able to turn the, the, the podcast off, right? So that's the idea that these things, these are new opportunities. You create something interesting and you will have evangelists everywhere sharing your story and getting other people to listen and consume. There's so many ways I want to take that because you're so right, because that is that is the quintessential example on the planet of earned media, right? That's it. Yeah. That's the one. That's it. Hey, you need to listen to this. Hey, you need to check this organization out. That's it. That's what we're all going for. <laughs> yeah, you could have you, you all it takes is one of your close friends to tell you that. And it maybe maybe two. Right. We'll just be fair. Maybe two. But, you know, traditional advertising, how many times do you have to hear something? Eight, nine, 10, 12, 13, 15 times. You got to drive by the billboard 70 times before it makes an impression. But if you hear it firsthand from someone that you respect and you trust and you look up to and you admire and they say, hey, you should check this out, you'll do it. And I, I, that's, that's, that is, uh, that's gold. And I don't think it's a hard, it's the art of storytelling, which I could see that being a huge, huge trend moving forward. I think that is, if I had to actually place my chips on the table for 2021, I think the organizations that are going to succeed are going to be the best at storytelling, period. Yep. yep. And I think one of the things that we're going to explore in this podcast in the future is this concept of the hero uh, and something that I think we, we've given a lot of thought to and we need to put it down on paper. But the idea of being able to share the story of the hero and then help your constituent become the hero of the story is going to be huge in 2021. It's, so, so while we're talking about that, and I know we got other buckets to cover, but let's sit here for a moment because I think this is critical. Um, we started with proliferation and disruption. Now we're talking about storytelling. It's really, it's pretty interesting. Um, let me ask you, do you think in this Let's just say that is the trend. That is what we have to do as an organization, as as professionals. Um, do you have to hire for a different skill set? What does that look like? How do you get that? What where does that happen? What do you see? What do you see in twenty twenty one to get that uh, uh, kind of um, in house or to bring that that skill um, to an organization? What do, what do you think it takes? 
It's a great question. Um, so you may want to hire differently than you are hiring now. That's entirely possible. Um, you know, the storytelling and data, right? I mean, it feels like those are the 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 front and the back cover of the book to me, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the messaging, getting the messaging to land, and then to prove it with the data, right? On the other side, you got you got to have both pieces. You can't just have one without the other. So to me, those are the two kind of bookends, and then. I think it, I think we're going to see a major shift away from outsourcing branding and beautiful pictures and stuff like that to agencies. I think the ROI on that is is not enough, uh, or at least demonstrable enough, to warrant the investment because we're not in a, a time of excess, right? We're in a time of decrease. And so I think those some of those nice to have branding campaigns and bus ads and stuff are going to go away, and I think really we're going to see a deeper investment in storytelling. What I would suggest people consider is, you may have the skills in house to do this, but you do not need to outsource your storytelling. What you might want to do is get a, a consultant who specializes in storytelling to help flesh out your story. Right, you may want to have a consultant come and help you run a workshop or do something like that that helps you actually tell your story well. But um, you know, but you hopefully you know your why, right? Hopefully your organization already knows that. And so, uh, to me, I would spend the time articulating our why, and maybe a consultant helps you with that. I don't know. What do you think, Billy? Yeah, I, I think it's absolutely right. Um, think about this too. You do you have people on staff that write emails today? Probably so. How can you take and, and up up level those writing skills, right? And, and to your point, could it be a consultancy coming in and teaching and doing some workshops? I mean, there's all kinds of ways to get to get really creative um, and and to learn how to be better at creative writing rather than writing email for transaction or marketing campaigns, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be a different approach. I, I, and so I, I think there's a number of ways to go about it. My guess, if I'm just sitting here taking a guess, most of the nonprofits today, they don't have in-house storytellers. They don't yeah. have somebody on staff that's that's ready to write stories. They might have copywriters who could do really good email copy and, and stuff like that potentially um chances are they're hiring like you said agencies to do a bunch of brand work brand work's important but it's not going to move the needle uh, um you know a, a new website design unless it's for experience um <laughs> is probably not going to move the needle but a good story will it just will it, absolutely correct i mean and i don't think anyone listening to this is even going to push back on that because i think it's just a reality that we all live in right we all saw the ice bucket challenge. We've we've all seen emotional appeals on on you know on Facebook, right? We we know we know the power of story. But you know, Billy, the other thing that strikes me about it is when you hear a really good story, or when you hear a really good podcast, when you tell someone about it, how do you tell them about it? And I'm just thinking about this for myself. Like if I was sending you a podcast, would I call you up and say, "Hey, Billy"? Go open your podcast app and do a search for S-Town. Probably not. What would I do? I'd probably be in the podcast, listening to it in that moment, hit that share button and send you a link to it. Correct? That's it. Probably, yeah, via text. It'd come via text. Exactly. So the question I have for nonprofits, and as we start to think about some of the, the trends, you know, shocker here, mobile was predicted to be a big tw- a trend in 2020. Um, 
you know, and uh, the Pope was predicted to be Catholic and water was predicted to be wet. But um, uh, nonetheless, I think that what people are not necessarily considering as much is that there's an interrelation between things like the experience you're creating and the proliferation. They're not separate practices, but they're actually one practice of making yourself act and behave like best in class, right? That's right. Yeah. When you send uh, a link to a product on Amazon to someone, it they hit the button, they hit the buy now button, and one click later, that product you sent them is, is shipped to their house, right? It's connected. I, I did that the other night. <laughs> So we were playing uh it's the have you seen the sudoku that's a color it's really awesome no. uh, and so here i am giving your first 40 reference right here i'll earned send you media. the link it's yeah i earned media here <laughs> um, anyway it's sudoku that's in color and it's a board and you play it with marbles and there's nine different colored marbles anyway it's it's just crazy incredible fun um, and I actually am better at it than seeing the numbers. The colors make more sense than seeing the actual numbers in the grid for me. Um, hmm. But you can also rework it with the numbers. Anyway, um, I digress. The idea is I was sitting there um, playing this and right there, I looked at my wife, I go, order it. And it, we ordered it on Amazon like two, like within two minutes of looking at the board, finding it, ordering it. And we got it. I got it today. That was 36 hours ago, <laughs> you know, they're like, that's, that's the kind of stuff you have to have at, at, as an organization. When someone is inspired by what you do, you got to make it easy for them to then tell someone else and then them be able to take action on it. And think about that. Um, this just to this carry the podcast through 2021, everyone listening, you have to have podcasts that tell good stories. Bottom line, that is a trend. If you don't do it this year, you need to do it in 2022 might be too late. 2023, you need to start doing it now. Make it part of your business practice. Not only that, but when you have that, make it easy for someone to hear a story and donate to that person that that story is about, right? Like make it very personal. And I think that was one of the trends in 2020, right? Personalization was a big thing, but not only personalization, make it personal for the people on the other end of, of, of of the experience. Right. And then make it easy, seamless, right? So they can make that donation through Apple pay or PayPal or some place where they already have um, their, their, their credit cards or their, you know, bank accounts already linked to that's the stuff you have to do. So I went on a little tangent there, but Man, um, that was all from Sudoku, right? Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, that was, but that's so right. And I think when we think about the power of the podcast, it also lives in perpetuity, right? It, it's it's there for you forever, right? And and here here's the thing that even Billy and I, as we're building out our own kind of strategy for our podcast, are discovering there's a lot of great content out there. And if your organization is helping survivors of cancer, or if you are donating money to money to soldiers returning from war, or whatever you're doing, guess what? They, you have amazing stories, and you can help tell the stories of the people that got that service, or you know got their ADA compliance uh, adjustments to their house, or whatever you're doing. Their stories are the ones that land. Let's let's take this a step further. Why we're why we're why we're here? All right, just as another trend, which was in twenty twenty. Um, but let's think about this. If you have a successful podcast, what do you hear in podcasts? Sponsors, sponsorships. Hello, all the time. Is there a way to monetize your storytelling? 
absolutely. Right? Why not find? Um, I mean, I saw this the other day. I've got to. I've got to try to recall here. The bourbon starting to sink in. But um, I saw this the other day where um, a, an organization or a business funded a nonprofit's uh, storytelling, and they 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 paid for it and they published it and they did all this. And you just think about that and you go, "Wow!" There's two things that happen. I'm going to go do more business with that business, but man, mm-hmm. I really feel connected. It, it, it's just a, it's just an, there's monetization there. There is a way to partner. That was uh, I think that was something I read too. And what Forbes or one of the ones this past year um, around, you know, um, sponsorships and partnerships and stuff like that. So um, yeah. Yeah. Looking for non-traditional sources of income was also one of the trends that uh, was predicted in 2020. And I have to say, I think that one, was a home run as well because if you think about it what of one of the things that's been interesting is that how people give is changing and and let me unpack that a little bit the people this year thought they were um, acting charitably when they were doing things like ordering from restaurants they were worried would go out of business right hey i don't need to order from this restaurant but i'm going to order from it because i don't want it to go out of business now that's not a donation. Like, let's be clear. That's actually just a capitalist exchange, <laughs> right? Of of money for goods. But nonetheless, the altruism behind it uh, is is certain, right? And so, people's altruism and desire to do good looked a little different this year. And so, in this new world where things look a little different. How do we start to think about as a nonprofit? How do we connect with some of these other organizations that are are kind of ready for this world we live in now? How can we partner with them? So, you know, I have ideas like if I was running a cause and cure, maybe I always go cancer, but that's just the one that comes top of mind to me. You know, maybe I buy a meal, send a meal, right, uh, to someone who's currently you know stuck at home because they can't go out because they're super vulnerable. Right. There's a lot of things you could do with an Uber Eats or a DoorDash or something like that. Yeah. Instacart with groceries. Gosh, man. Could you imagine being able to send groceries to someone as you buy groceries? You know, I I think that's just a really interesting concept. It is. And Bill, you said something earlier, which I thought was so good, which is, you know, people will talk about personalization as a trend. And what most people mean by personalization is that the communication feels like you know me. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true. But I also think the other side of the coin for personalization is that I feel like I know what I'm giving to, yes. right, as the giver. And so to your point, if I could buy a bag of groceries for a family that was shut in due to the situation and I could see my investment going to that family, I'm in. And we see this, right, all the time. Let me give you an example of that very thing. All right. So – this year's been very difficult at times. Obviously, you, 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 there's been moments when you just feel helpless. I think we can mm-hmm. all agree to that, no matter our circumstance. Yep. Um, and I think there was a point in time where, well, when the pandemic first hit, I, I started to think like, all right, look, you're you're okay. You know, you, there's a lot of uncertainty. You don't know if you'll be okay, but you're okay. You can help people that that, that need help, right? And so through the ways I give, I gave. Um, but it, towards the end of this year, I needed something more. I didn't need to just give and then get the receipt in my email and say, thanks for giving us your money. That was really nice of you to give because we had this thing happen and you gave. 
You know what I did? Because I wanted to feel it. I went to Walmart and I bought I bought $100 worth of gift cards and I bought cards. And I wrote a special message and I said, look, you are loved. You're not forgotten. Um, people are here to help. And I put and I stuffed envelopes with gift cards. Mm-hmm. And I found people who were on the corners of streets. And I didn't judge. I didn't sit there and go, well, they look like they could be okay. Or I, I just gave because you know what I wanted to see? I wanted to see someone's face when I gave them that, when I knew that this is one of the worst times maybe in their life, maybe ever. And right. you can see the just a little bit of hope. And I think that's what organizations are going to have to get really good at. Because I will tell you, for me, it was, that's not a tax write-off to go do that. But you know what? That, that felt real. That felt mm-hmm. that felt like I actually did something and I got to see it. And I think that's um, when when you can't volunteer. I think that's one of the things that's been taken away maybe from us this year. The act of volunteering, um, you've got to figure out a way to make those connections felt when you give when people are giving time and money and effort towards your organization to make impact. Um, gosh, I just got to, I just, I just, just remembered, like I needed that on this year and it really did help. And I still, I have now it's a thing that I do. I have a stack of cards. They're all stuffed with money and and gift cards and things like that. And I just find people that need it, give it. So, um, anyway, Hmm. that's important. Like, like you said, knowing, knowing, right. Yeah. It's gotta be, your giving is, is it's not for the tax write off. Right. Uh, there are people who are going to get for the tax write off and we will take sure. those checks for sure. Sure. Those checks still feel great to get. But if you want to start to nurture relationships with the younger generation and start to onboard them, they need to feel so deeply connected to their giving. And, you know, the quintessential example of this, Billy, to me at scale is GoFundMe. Right. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you. Uh, how many nights I've had a like I've had a friend maybe post something on Facebook, and you know we'll go check it out. We'll do our little our participation, and then it'll pop up the next story of someone else. It'll be like, oh crap, they need a little bit too. And then mm-hmm. like I'll, and then it's like the next one's like, oh crap, they need a little mm-hmm. bit too. And all of a sudden, you know, you're like you're you're helping strangers, and uh, you're like you said, you're feeling feeling good. And not that I'm so you know altruistic or anything like that, but. Nonetheless, uh, it has it has happened before, <laughs> right? Where yeah. you just find yourself enthralled in someone's story. It's someone's mom. It's someone's sister. It's someone's dad. You know, like I want to help their dad, right? It just mm-hmm. it, and you feel so connected, and you don't even get a write off for it. Yeah, the degrees of separation are mu- are, are much are, are less, right? You're so closer to the to the to the. Um, uh, not the problem. You're so you, to the impact. You're just closer to the impact. You you can feel it. You can. It's mm-hmm. within reach. You can. Mm-hmm. You understand it so much more. And I think that's the that's that's where uh, you know I, I, organizations are going to have to really really figure. That, and you said their keyword is at scale, right? At scale is the probably the biggest challenge. But probably where if you think about where do you invest your money this year or in the upcoming years. It's probably in business practices, technology, skills that will make that come to, uh, to will bring that to scale. Uh, I just think it has to, has to. It has to. I think that's so, and you know, what's interesting too, is when you think about GoFundMe, what do you, why do you give when you see the GoFundMe? It's not, the picture's nice, right? The person in the hospital bed or whatever, that's good. But then you read underneath 
not even them asking for money. It's their friend or their oh, yeah. kid. And what do they do? They tell their story. They yeah. tell the story, right? And it, it hooks you. And that's because it's authentic and it's real. And it's not about the brand. It's not about the hospital's brand. That, and that's key, right? The, you, you just brought up such a great point. If you're overwhelmed as an organization, thinking about what you should do to maybe upskill, um, think about it. Authenticity goes a long ways, right? Just being authentic, being sincere, um, being connected. Because nine times out of 10, if you read those GoFundMes, the grammar is not the best, right? The story right. the story is what you lean into and it doesn't even have to be elaborate. It's a paragraph. You, just, you feel the hardship, you feel the moment and you go, guess what? I now can give some money right now and I can see that progress meter go up and I can see that we hit that goal for that individual person who needs this very specific thing. It's very specific, very, very, very specific. I yeah. think that's what lacks right now, right? There's a lot of, it, it's not as specific as it, as it could be these days. And it probably, that's a trend I could see, you know, in the next coming years. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I've seen, um, not work particularly well in the nonprofit appeals space this year is give to us. So we don't go out of business. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that I think works okay for a restaurant potentially like, Hey, buy from us. So we don't go out of business, that sort of thing. I think that can work pretty well. Um, but it, it, whenever the nonprofit gets away from their mission and starts talking about themselves, you're in dangerous, precarious ground. And so, you know, the trend for 2021 is, you know, the same trend that's been since, you know, 1901, which is focus on your impact, focus on what you do and the reason you exist. And that is your why. Make sure people know your why. Hey, while we're talking about this, I, I, I've got to ask a question to get your opinion on this. Because um, I will tell you, it's the end of the year. Every email I get right now from every organization is double the impact. Uh, someone's going to match. Right. Someone's going to match. Someone's going to match. Let me just, do you think that most people, uh, let's talk about new donors, not people who are very familiar with giving to charitable organizations, but the new donors you're trying to acquire that maybe have never given before, but never been financially able to, but now have that ability. Do you think they believe that match goes away? Do they really think that someone's going to pull that $100,000 out from underneath the organization? <laughs> I, you no. know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. That's so I don't think those can those types of campaigns don't appeal as, as much as maybe they once did. And I think a lot of people see through it. Well, if you handed me a year-end campaign where I had matching funds, um, I think what I would say is this. I think what I would say is, here's what we're doing, right? And here's how much it costs to do X, Y, Z. So we're going to buy two chickens and a goat, right, for a, a village in need. Okay, great. What I would say is, right now, two chickens and a goat is half off, right? We got a deal on chickens and a goat, right? Like, and you can go give two chickens and a goat for half of what you used to it used to charge you to do. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think um, I think that's really interesting. Um, and what you just mentioned too is is you talked about something very tangible as well in that example. Um, and I think that's another thing, right? If you can sit here and say, look it's not just doubling the impact. You're actually doing this in a very smart way, in a very tangible way. I think that's where it, it's, it's 
the, it's messaging, right? It's just a slight nuance of the messaging, but that slight nuance means everything. Um, because I almost brought up earlier, I love when organizations say, guess what? I have a shopping cart of things that you can go give. And it's not just, I'm writing you a check to, for a general fund to give to this. I love it when I'm like, and I know probably what organization you might be talking about. It's like, I'm going to buy some bees and I'm going to buy some chickens. And then I'm going to go buy, I'm going to buy a heifer, right? Right. I'm going to buy like, that is so cool. And I think that in itself is just such a different way to think about giving. Um, patients who are going through care, man, if I can, if I could buy them five meals, let me buy them five meals, right. make my donation that tangible. I'll do it all day long. Exactly. And now obviously, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to be the two guys in the podcast who don't have to do the accounting work for that. For uh, sure. Get it for totally. Sure. We get that. But the point here is not that you need to do exactly what we're suggesting. The point here is that you need to make sure that the giver is in control of their giving and feels deeply and personally connected to what they're doing. And so to me, I mean, I, if I was, um, if I was looking at that, like you said, the two chickens and a goat and or a heifer or something like that. And I saw that like, Hey, now till the end of the year, we have a sponsor that's cutting the price in half. Uh, but mm-hmm. you still give, you know, whatever you give and you choose where it's going and all that stuff, I would feel very empowered to, to want to participate um, in a, in, that would be much more appealing than, you know, double your impact. Because like you said, like that person's stroking a hundred thousand dollar check, regardless of whether they get a hundred thousand dollars in matches. Right. And, and correct. And everyone knows it. It's not, yeah. it's not a big secret. Yeah. Can you imagine so, saying so, to like, a, yeah. a, sorry, can you imagine saying to a nonprofit, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars if they match it, if you can get someone to match it. And then they're like, Oh, I only got 50. It's like, all right, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No one believes that anymore. Um, But, but but going back to our trend discussion, I think transparency was one of the big things in 2020. Um, And what you just mentioned is, is absolutely being (laughs) transparent. Um, Do you, do you think that is going to be more of a concern, less of concern, same? Uh, What do you see going on there? I think it's going to be even more of a concern. And I think that's in part because more people have more time at more machines. Um, and then you can do more research. But I also think secondarily, there is a shift right now in the industry to think about impact and right with impact matters and even a, a change in some of the rating systems that historically have been a part of how you evaluate nonprofits. Uh, and so with that change, I think transparency is, you know, never, never been more important. And I think also kind of going along with that, you know, there is this, the starts of a shift towards thinking about what you're actually accomplishing and less about like the salaries of the people at the nonprofit. It's still not, you know, gone, but you know, if your CEO makes a lot of money, that's going to keep coming up. Like that's just going to keep coming up no matter what you do. Um, and not saying you can't get over it, not saying they don't deserve it, but, um, that they were starting to see people focusing on, the impact that the organization is creating and a little less on some of like the overhead of the organization, but you have to be transparent with it. You just have to, because once people feel like you're being, um, you're coercing them into giving or tricking them or that what they're trying to accomplish can't be accomplished with your organization because you you have so much overhead or whatever, uh, trust is broken. And at that point, they'll find someone else to give with. I don't know if you can even get them back after trust is broken. It's tough. It's really, really tough. I mean, trust is a, trust is a, is, um, 
probably the most valuable currency in the world, right? And um, it can be taken away very, very quickly. I was just thinking, I don't know if this exists, but is there a uh, return on investment scale for CEOs as it relates to their organizations? Like, I know when I give it to this, okay, yes, granted, the CEO makes a ton of money, but, you know, for every dollar the CEO makes, the organization makes 12x that pretty good on the rating. I don't know there is such things, but that'd be kind of an interesting way to kind of talk about uh, transparency. Make it relatable. If you're going to be transparent about things, just make it relatable so people really get it. Yeah. I mean, like the earnings per share of yeah. uh, of nonprofits. It's interesting. I think people are trying to, to crack that nut. Um, that seems really hard to get universal for an industry that is basically every industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I, I don't know. Um, go, go ahead. Oh, no, no, that's, uh, I was going to, I was going to move on to the kind of the last one, uh, the big bucket trend, but, uh, any final thoughts on this one? No, I think that's good. I was, I was, uh, thinking the same thing around, um, I don't know. I I, I, keep going, keep going. You go. Well, I think that the last big trend that we want to talk about as a bucket is kind of investing and, and, uh, we'll call it the technical debt. Um, solving the technical debt and, and trying to invest in in getting more modern technology, and that that obviously goes hand in hand with experience, right? You can't mm-hmm. can't create good experiences with bad technology. Um, and not that you and I are going to dig deeply into the types of technology uh, that people should be thinking about by any stretch, but um, you know, we are starting to see nonprofits invest in tech in some really surprising areas, even some cutting edge areas. I think about um, virtual reality, right? And taking donors on a tour of the school they built in VR while the donor is seated in their house. And we're starting to see some of those some of those experiences. And a lot of times right now, there's a gap between what the nonprofit can do themselves and what they have to outsource. But that gap is going to narrow, right? That gap is going to narrow as the technology becomes easier to use and the skill set becomes more widely available. But we're definitely seeing nonprofits spend the time to try to get their technology strategy right so that they can be easy to give to so that they can create those big experiences so they can do all these other things. Have you noticed that as well, Billy? I have. I I think the other thing that I've noticed in that, um, in that situation is everyone's in that situation. Everyone's trying to modernize. We all, we are, everyone's trying to do that to some degree. Um, I think the, the biggest, the hardest part of that is where you start. That's always the biggest question is like, where do we start? We think we have an idea. Um, we probably need a new. I'm just. I'll just. We need a new um, email platform. That's the first thing that came to mind. And then people go, well, let's go. Let's go look at some email platforms. And that's usually how they approach the problem. Right. Um, you know what I'm saying? And and it's really. Um, the, you've got to get to the why first when you like, you know, everyone knows you have to invest and you have to continue to update and because technology changes so quickly now, right? There's always something a little bit better. There's artificial intelligence makes it a little bit better. There's all these things that make it a little bit better. Um, and every year it gets a little bit, but you always have to sit there and go, why, 
And then you have to say, what does it take to actually get to our why and how do we get there? So I think the more important thing around investment and how to update outdated technology or upgrade or um, transform digital transformation, as a lot of people are going through right now, is to really get down. And, and, and this is where a good consultant can come into play. This is where a good um, a good partner, can, this is where podcasts can come into play, right? <laughs> Teach us how to think about how to invest in technology. So I, I, I think before you start looking at and knowing that you have outdated stuff, um, I would think that you really have to have a good understanding of what you're trying to accomplish. And it has to be very detailed, very detailed, not just, Hey, we need more donors this year because our donors are, are churning at a quicker rate than ever. Be a lot more detailed than that. Think about why that's happening and understand where you should invest. Cause it might not necessarily be just technology, just, you know, as an FYI. That's exactly right. You know, I think one of the one of the biggest pitfalls that we see people uh, see nonprofits kind of uh, fall into is this: they start with what can the technology do mm-hmm. as their first question, and then they try to build a use case based on the enabling capabilities of the technology, and that is so backwards. What you should be doing is starting with the goals and the outcomes that you need. And then you need to back one layer into the strategy that you want to use to get to those goals and outcomes. And, and frankly, if, if I may be so bold as to say, I think that's why we're, we have this podcast is we're really trying to think through what are those strategies that help you get to your outcomes, right? We're trying to share that with you, share some ideas that hopefully help you and inspire you to think through those strategies. Um, because the truth of the matter is the, the battle is won or lost at having an outcome and a strategy to get to the outcome. Yeah. The enabling technology then is the next question that comes into the process. But I can't tell you how many times people are trying to, um, people are trying to build it like a house with the, with the technology as the foundation, then the capability of the technology is the first floor and so on and so forth. But you don't want to do that. You want to start more like um, more like a race you want to st- or more like a reverse engineering something that you mm-hmm. would build backwards pick a thing um, you want to start with the end in mind back into the strategy and then figure out what technology allows you to accomplish that strategy or those strategies to get to your outcome and then you want to make sure that you have a way to measure it from kind of baseline and through the process and so you know what is the what is the best tech? that allows you to accomplish your goals using these strategies. And if you build it that way, you're going to make much better decisions. And and Billy, the one that comes to mind to me this year, more so than ever is virtual events, right? Nobody had a virtual event strategy, January 1, 2020, but now everybody got a virtual event strategy. You have to, and you, you know, you had some experience working on those actually some incredible experience working on those. And you probably had some people who nailed it. And you probably also talked to some folks who yeah. you knew wouldn't nail it. Yep. And what were the differences there? Would you say strategy played a big role in those? The people that nailed it believed in strategy and they, and they, and they, and they, I'm going to buzzword alert, double down on strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, they really did. They believed in that, Hey, technology's merely a vehicle for the message merely just something there to enable this, to, to, to help us do this at scale. 
Um, everything else was what's our strategy. And I, I saw an organization adopt a really beautiful strategy, um, that was contrary <laughs> to what their agency had told them because the strategy that was shared by their agency was just a basic, it was an acquisition strategy. And I was like, Oh gosh. All right. All right, here we are in this in this pandemic. We're trying every we're everywhere the organization. You look east, northeast, west, south. We're cutting everywhere, um, and we're talking about acquiring. <laughs> we're talking about a budget to acquire people. Like that doesn't make any sense. That is not that is not that is not sound. And so the people that said, "All right, let's look at our current base." Let's look at how we can take that base and activate them. Let's look at our sponsorship. Let's look at networking. I, I, I saw that, and I think maybe Forbes or one of the trend things, using uh, professional networks to grow your right. donor base. The, I saw people do that this year, and guess what? They knocked it out of the park because they used a very organic, authentic strategy, and they just used their current tech, and they were able to do some really, really amazing things. Um, and you know, that wasn't because they had to go purchase a new email system. It had nothing right. to do with that. It just, right. they needed to use their email system they had to the best of its ability. And they had to do that by having really sound strategy as just an example. Um, social was in play there. There's a lot of other things, but yeah, I, I saw some organizations go full in on strategy. I saw some think that they didn't need strategy and that you can, the, the results were um, about as different as you can imagine. <laughs> it, it turns out that if you build it, they may or may not come. They need to have a reason to come uh, in this new world in which we live. And when you think about the the way it when it works well and when the strategy is working well, what you just said, Billy, is so good because they started with the end goal in mind of acquisition initially. And guess what? Your lifetime value metrics that you have, throw them out the window right now mm -hmm. because you don't need. 30 more people at $15 a month. You need someone to stroke a big fat check right now who probably has already stroked a big fat check in years gone by, right? Um, not everyone is suffering this year. That's the crazy part. Some people's portfolio has gone through the roof and they're looking at their tax liability and they need to they need to stroke a big fat check this year. Yep. And I'm not suggesting you, you know, don't invest in that relationship and they shouldn't be connected to the gift or anything like that. That's still all really important. But your outcomes were to raise a whole bunch of money. That was the goal. Um, and you're not going to get there through new acquisitions and just like introducing yourself and hoping to get kind of that first initial gift, right? It's just not going to happen. It definitely is not. <laughs> I, I could, I, I, when I, I saw some of the work, I was, I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm feel so bad for you right now that I feel so bad because <laughs> I'm just going to have to call this out because this is not what you need. And it, but, but those are those moments where, you know, as an organization, these are uncomfortable times. And so sometimes you lean on what you think is the right answer, but it's okay to, to, I, I think disruption, right? We talked about that earlier. We mm -hmm. talked about, um, talk about reimagine the experience. We talked about, you know, storytelling, all those things to this year came together as one. I think this is the first year where you started to see people go, Oh, I get it. I, I, everything's really disruptive. I also have to think disruptively. I have mm -hmm. to think about how can I take a story and place it in someone's 
social feed but based on by based on what they just said like i have to think like the best in class brands that are out there doing these things that are really innovative and i don't have the tools to do it i just need to figure out how to get it done and stitch it together and i, I think that's what's kind of interesting some of these trends that, that were predicted absolutely came to fruition some of them more than others and then some of them just did not happen at all that's exactly <laughs> could, right there's no room for them that's right. It, it was, you know, uh, the, the center square for 2020 bingo is the word unprecedented, unquestionably. Um, yeah. And it was an unprecedented year. But Billy, uh, we mentioned storytelling as a big theme for 2021. That's the one I would think I would put my, my chips on the table behind. Uh, any other big trends for 2021 you see coming down the pipe you think people should be thinking about? Or is that the one? I think that's the one I'm going to stick with. A, we'll go with a alliteration here. Seamless. I, I think that's mm-hmm. another thing that I feel is very, very strong. Um, and I, I mean that because, man, um, I when you're when you're, um, I, I let me put it this way. I live in a very small town in northern Colorado. Um, it's sandwiched in between Denver and, and Fort Collins, so I'm not in the middle of nowhere. Like I, I know what a city is, right? But um, it, 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 when you see businesses in a town that's no more than 10,000 people create ways for you to order mobily so you can get services delivered to your door or you can pick up curbside and you see them adapt that and then they didn't invest they didn't have they had zero dollars to go invest in this right they're not making money like they used to you see those types of things happening um and you think about how can we make our experiences like that seamless Mm-hmm. easy. So I think seamless experience um, is uh, a huge, huge theme because if the smallest business down the street for me can do that, the biggest ones that have the brands that I've recognized for many, many years better be able to do it better. Right. Sorry. That's just how it is. That's the reality we live in. So I think we've got our, our, our big bets for 2021 are seamless storytelling and strategy. The three oh, yeah, is. of 2021. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm sure we will want to un- uh, unpack those in greater detail in uh, some future episodes. Um, but uh, Billy, I think we, we might want to call it a night while it is still 2020 as we're getting Let's closer and closer. So uh, thank you so much for your expertise. A pleasure as always, my friend. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I have to say this has been great. This is our this is the end of our year as 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 the Mission Critical Podcast. So I wish you had a drink. Um, well, I'll just I'll drink this here. I'll just drink this and for both drink of it us. Twice. And, uh, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Two sips. More to come. Indeed. Thanks, Billy. Thanks everyone for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Mission Critical Podcast. Remember, this podcast is here to help you. If there's something you'd like us to cover, reach out. Connect with us online at listentotmcp.com or follow us at listentotmcp on your favorite social media channel.